Good morning, everyone. We're all here. I'm, I'm glad that you're here, especially uh, since uh, you saw how long the first service went and you still hung around for the second one, and uh, <laughs> not too nervous about that, uh, but glad that you're here. Hey, uh, I don't know, those of you who've got, uh, you got kids, you know, and you understand how it is, the more life you have in your home, the busier you get, right? Right? And that's the way, that's where our church is right now, so much life going on. And there's a whole lot of stuff coming up. Easter's in two weeks. We're doing a Saturday night service so that we got plenty of room and you can bring your lost loved ones, your family members. How many of you have somebody in your family you want to see God touch, you want to see God save? Anybody? Anybody? Come on. Anybody? Okay. Now, next Sunday's really important, so be here for that. But I'm actually going to say something about that in this service as well. We've got uh, water baptism in four weeks, uh, doing it outside like we did last fall. And so if you've never been baptized... And you're a child of God, you need to do this. It's a public testimony of the inward work that God has done. You need to do that. Uh, We've got that work day coming up Saturday to dress everything up for Easter and the, and the water baptism. So just a whole lot of stuff. 401 today. And if you're not connected with the team, if you're not doing something for God here at this church or some way doing something for God somewhere in ministry, then you need to be here at 401 and just and meet. You don't have to connect with the team today and say, I, I'm, I'm going to join that team. But come and check them out because uh, you can find out all the information you need. If you've never been there and done that, you need to do that today, 401. So a whole lot of stuff. Uh, there's probably some other things. Uh, Justin's last Sunday with us it will be next Sunday. So that's why we're going to give him a send-off next week. We'll be praying for him. He'll be gone for six months. to, um, And they'll be pouring into him. It's pretty intense training that uh, they're going to be giving him. is starting an international house of prayer here in our area to, uh, to have 24-7 prayer. So... A lot of exciting stuff going on, amen, and we're, this is the last of the Believe Again series, so let's have a word of prayer and get into this message, okay? Father, I love you. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for God, uh, families that are being changed, Lord, lives that are being changed. Thank you, God, for uh, praise reports that, God, we just continue to hear, and, and Lord, and I ask you today to help us, Lord, get, again, get back to the foundation, Lord, of faith, that, that childlike faith that we had when we first came to you, Lord, and and God, help us, I pray, to receive uh, today uh, just a challenge and a quickening, a renewing and a refreshing of that faith. God, to believe that you are and you will be and you want to be, God, those things for us and do those things for us. In Jesus' name, we pray. And everybody said, amen. Okay, I hope you're beginning to believe again. Turn to the person next to you and say, believe again. I hope you're beginning to believe again. All right, see, here's, here's something I want, I, want, I, want you, I want you to catch this first before we get into the meat of this sermon. Is faith isn't waiting on a miracle is making room for what God wants to do. God already wants to do this, okay? A lot of people think that prayer is talking God into doing something for you. But God already wants to do it. The Word tells us it is His pleasure, it is His good pleasure to give you good things. And He's already given you the very best He had to offer, Jesus Christ, right? He already gave you Jesus Christ. Why would He give you Jesus Christ and not, you know, meet a little financial need? You know, or heal you of a headache even. I mean, a lot of a lot of times I hear people say, oh, you shouldn't just pray over, you pray over a headache. You ought to just take a couple of aspirin and go on. You know, why wouldn't God want to heal you of a headache? If he gave you Jesus Christ, he's already given the very best that he has. Why wouldn't he want to, why wouldn't he want to give, you, give you these things as well? Okay, making room. God already wants to do it, like Noah. Think about Noah. You remember what Noah did? Noah did. God said, I'm going to punish the earth. I'm going I'm to flood this earth. I'm going to kill everybody, but I'm going to save your family. God wanted to save Noah's family. Get it? He wanted to save Noah's family. 
But Noah had to do something, didn't he? He had to build the ark. And the verse there said Noah did everything just as God commanded him. He built the ark just as God commanded it. That's the important thing. It's not about an ark, not about a boat, it's not about 40 days, 40 nights, not about rain, it's not about animals. It's about doing what God tells you to do. You know why? Because if God wants to save you, save your family, meet a need in some way, but you're over here doing your thing and you're not in sync with what God wants to do, God can't do it. You got to get in sync with him. The only way to do that is to hear what he is, has to say and obey him. Get in, the, get in the middle of what God is wanting to do. Otherwise, you're working against one another. God said, you know, here's this, I want to do this. Or, or think about the Shunammite woman, uh, that lady in Shunem that, that she built. Uh, she actually did make room for what God wanted to do because she made a room. She built a room on top of a house and says, let's make a small room on the roof and put, it in a, put in it a bed and a table, a chair and a lamp for him. Then he can stay there whenever he comes to us. So there was this prophet named Elisha. Now, he was not just any old prophet. He was the prophet. I meant the man right then. I meant there was nobody else like Elisha. There was nobody ministering like Elisha was ministering. And the, the, the anointing was on him, double portion of Elijah's anointing. I mean, it was awesome. It was powerful. And she said, you know, he kept coming by her house on a re- regular basis. She said, let's make him a room. And what she was doing is she was preparing. In this room, she would receive. In this room, she would receive the promise of a son. Even though she never had children, she received the promise of a son. Where? In the room that she made for him. And then that son died. You know what she did? She didn't go bury the son. She took the son and she put him up in the room, laid him on the bed of the man of God, then shut the door and went out and went, got the man of God, the prophet, and said, hey, my son that you promised me, he's died. I need you to come back to my house, to the room that I have prepared, and I need you to bring. And you know what he did? He went back, Elisha went back, prayed for him, and the son came back to life. She received the miracle, she, the promise and the miracle, and then she received this awesome miracle of her son being raised back to life. Where? In the room. She made room for God to do what God wanted to do. Or like Rahab, the prostitute, the harlot of Jericho, I called her a few months ago. You know, you remember what she did? She was in Jericho, and God, God uh, had Joshua send out a couple of spies to go in and check out Jericho. They were about to attack Jericho as they were taking back the promised land that God had given to them. And when the two spies came, she made room for them to, to hide out in, in her house that night. She hid them out in her house, even, even at threat of death, uh, uh, you know, a crime against her entire city, yet she did this. And because she did this, her whole family was saved. Just about the entire city of Jericho was wiped out in just a few days, just a few days after this, but, but not her. Why? Because she made room. And it says, Joshua spared Rahab the prostitute with her family and all who belonged to her because she hid the men, of jo- the men Joshua had sent as spies to Jericho. And she lives among the Israelites to this day. I don't know how long ago, how, how long after that that was written. I don't know if she was now a grandmother or a great-grandmother or, or as early, early, as young as they had kids back in those days. She could easily have been a great-great-grandmother. I don't know, but think about this. Her, it wasn't just her and the ones in her house that were saved that night, but every child that was born, every, every grandchild that was born, every great-grandchild, generation after generation after generation was rescued and saved that night. Why? Because she made room for what God wanted to do in her life. And if you remember what I preached to you about her back in December... Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was also born in her lineage. And so if you think about it, what happened, even the blessing of Jesus Christ to this whole world came about because she did what she should should do. She made room for what God was already wanting to do in her life and in the life of everybody in the whole world. I mean, this is is what we need to be doing as faith. Now, now Britton said something last week that has really been on my mind, has really been on my heart uh, just this week, it's just constantly, just more and more coming, coming back to me. 
And, and, and I've thought about it so many times this week. You know, he, he was talking about how, how a lot of times we, we pray and we ask God for things. And, and then our actions, it's like in our prayers, we're agreeing with his word and we're agreeing with God and we're agreeing with his spirit. But then our actions, we're agreeing with the enemy. Because while we're doing, we're, we're saying the right things, we're not doing the right things. And so our actions, so, so which is it? Because faith is not just what we say. Faith is making room. For faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And so it is, it is our actions that is acting on what we believe and what we know. And so when we're speaking it, but then we're acting something else, I mean, we're, we're just not doing it. Like Noah. Noah acted in faith as well. Uh, uh, the Shunammite woman, she acted in faith. Rahab. She acted in faith. They didn't just speak it out loud. And as a matter of fact, I didn't hear them speaking a whole lot of stuff before God said, this is what I want to do. God already wanted to do it. They just had to start putting their actions in line with their word. Like this. Let me give you an example. Who here? Anybody here? Now, I want you to testify here in just a moment. Raise your hand if you've done this. You've been and bought a dozen Krispy Kreme donuts, and then you said grace over them, And while you were praying over them, you said, and God, take the calories out of these donuts. Anybody? You have, yeah, I mean, bring the lights up just a little bit more. I can't say who's testifying here this this morning telling me that they're doing. So, hey, hey, Mia, can I ask you, did he take the the calories out? Okay. And say, you know what? Then the Bible must be broke. Because she prayed and asked God to take the calories out of the donuts, and God didn't do it. So is the Bible broke? Turn to the person next to you and say, the Bible ain't broke. I want you to, I'm sorry if there's an English teacher in the, in the house this morning. I'm sorry. But that's just the way, it just, it just, that's just the way to say it. I mean, I, I really want you to get that this morning. The Bible ain't broke. But that's what we do. We pray a little something, and our, and our actions are in such a place, I mean, that we're not anywhere near where God wants us to be so he can pour a big blessing in our life, and we're praying all this stuff, yet we're over here acting, doing all of our own little thing. We're not saying, God, where do you want me, and what do you want me to do, and how can I? We're not doing those things. And then we say, well, the Bible must be broke. You know, the batteries must be run down on my Bible. I don't know about yours because, you know, I'm not getting what I'm asking God and praying for. And his word says pray. And, and say, but I know there's a whole lot more to that. It's like the, it's like the obedience of, of Noah. It's like, the, it's like making the room of the Shunammite woman. And it's like doing, you know, even risks at risk and putting yourself that like Rahab. It's, it's also acting in accordance with that, not just speaking it. I mean, take, take it just a little bit deeper. Take it just a little bit deeper. I'm talking about that, that, that donut thing. Isn't that what we do? Don't we pray one thing on Sunday and then act something else the rest of the week? And then we say, I don't, uh, well, it must not work for me. I don't understand. It must not work for me. And so, therefore, we begin to disbelieve that God really meant what he said in the Bible. You need to believe again and understand the problem is not with the Bible. The problem is not with the promises. The problem is not with God. God never, ever utters a word that can fail. It is impossible for him to utter a word that can fail. His, his word doesn't bounce back to him void. It doesn't, it doesn't shoot out of his mouth and, and run into a wall and say, oh, oh, wait a minute, I, I, I can't do anything there. His word, when he speaks, his word just bores right through whatever that is and it accomplishes exactly what he meant for it to accomplish. It is impossible for God to speak a word that fails. You need to begin believing again. Somebody say amen. 
And so let's begin. And I got a lot of stuff. I got my sleeves rolled up. We're ready. I got, I got a lot of stuff to share with you today. And so here's what we got to do, okay? A whole lot of stuff I'm going to run through. I told Mike I'll never get this preached in a hurry, and which I didn't in the first service. I'll never get this preached in a hurry if I, if, I, if I don't really stay disciplined in this. But here's something else I want you to do. Is, I mean, if you're, if you're needing to believe, you're, you're needing to believe, and you, you've been failing to really focus and, and believe in those promises. Grab your ink pen right now. Start writing down. You need to write down a lot of these verses of Scripture that you're going to see go up on the screen in just a few moments. Uh, and if you still don't get them, go home and listen to the podcast this afternoon. Get all these Scriptures. Write them down. And if you need some more, let me, I got about, I don't know, probably about six pages of promises that I would love to send you. If you'll send me an email, pastor at church2911.com, you'll send me an email. I'll shoot you those promises. If you need just some faith, something to, something to uh, just help you, strengthen you, lift you up, I'd love to send those to you, okay? But I just want you to understand, it's not about these 30 or 40 minutes we have together in the Word. That's not enough. You've got you to go do it now. We can't just speak it. We can't, you can't come to the front and just speak it at the end of this service. You've got to go do it now. So, so get all this stuff and pull together, okay? And here, let's begin with, I think it's probably the most popular of all. I mean, probably if I were to ask, you know, let's vote. How many of you have this need, this need, this need? Probably this one would be in this financial needs, right? I mean, most all of us have financial needs. Look at Malachi chapter 3. I, the Lord, do not change. So you descendants of Jacob are not destroyed. The reason you hadn't been destroyed is because I don't change. I told you I was not going to let you be destroyed. And even when you failed me, he said, I, I didn't destroy you because my word doesn't change. See, his word does not change. The Bible ain't broke. The promises are still sure. Ever since the time of your forefathers, you've turned away from my decrees and not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you say, how are we to return? Some translations say they were actually asking, we don't know how we failed you and walked away from you. But here, here's one of the things that God is telling us is, is that, you know, you had that childlike faith, and now that you're not really trusting in and believing in these promises, you, you've like turned away from God. And you don't feel like you have because you kind of got a relationship with God. But what he's saying is you don't have that faith like you used to have to believe that I can do all things, to believe that nothing is impossible with me. So, so you've kind of left God a little bit. But here's a particular place that he says, Here's the place that you've left me. Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how do, how do we rob you, God? God says, in tithes and offerings. Therefore, you are under a curse. The whole nation, because you are robbing me. You can't receive. I mean, the promises aren't broke. But because you're robbing me, you're under a curse. And so you can't have the blessings. You can't have the promises. Therefore, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. Let me ask you a question. How many of you want to be blessed? You want your family to be blessed. You want to have enough, right? Anybody want to have enough? Anybody want to have more than enough? I mean, you don't want to just barely get there and say, whew, whew, barely made it by this, this month. I mean, right? I mean, you want to have enough and more than enough because you know what you want to do? You, you know, maybe you weren't blessed enough to help fund some of the trees, but you wish, man, I wish I'd been blessed enough this past month that I could have bought a tree and, and blessed the, the orphanage in Romania. I wish I could have done how, You know, how many of you think about it? You want to be blessed in an abundance so that you can do something for everybody else. Or, or maybe you're tired of the blessings coming in the front door and running right out the back. Or like the Bible says, you know, you're tired of, of taking your wages and putting them in bags with holes and they just keep rolling out. And you're tired of that. It seems like, you know, it seems like you don't hold on to anything and there's always, a, and you're tired of that. Or maybe there's somebody here today that you'd be all right if God would just bless you so much that when people saw you, they'd say, oh my goodness, praise God, they are so blessed. I mean, you're, no, really? Wouldn't you like to be blessed that much? Guess what? It's all right here. Look right here, the end of verse 10. See if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. 
I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not cast their fruit, says the Lord Almighty. He promises exactly what I told you, blessing and abundant blessing. He said right there, blessing and abundant blessing is all going to be there. And he's going to rebuke the devourer for our sakes, and, and you're going to be so awesomely blessed that others are going to look at you and say that you're awesomely blessed. But you say, but that ain't happening in my life. Well, it's not the Bible that's broke. Because here's the thing is we want all of that, but we don't want the instruction and the obedience that comes before it. And you can't have all the blessing that God's building right over here when you're still operating in agreement with the devil and your enemy. you got to put it all together. And when God says, Dude, you, cannot, you can't hold back your tithe. And listen, I, you know, I, don't, I don't tell people to pay their tithes so that we've got more money in the church. I tell people to pay their tithes because if you don't, you're robbing God, and he says you're cursed. And if you want to have the blessing, then you got to do that. If you need financial blessings, you got to do that. You cannot hold that back and then go over here and say, God, why, why have you not blessed me financially? The reason is because your actions aren't lining up with your mouth. you got to get your mouth and your actions together because the promises aren't broke. The Bible's not broke. He wants to do that for you. Let me show you. The next few verses show. I mean, this... These people in that day, it's just like, just like you and I are these day, today as well. God says, you've said harsh things against me. You ask, what have we said against you, God? You said it is futile to serve God. Now, this is going to sound familiar to some of you. It is futile to serve God. What did we gain by carrying out his requirements and going about like mourners before the Lord Almighty? But now we call the arrogant blessed. Certainly the evildoers prosper and the, those who challenge God escape. Here's what he said. You ever said this or thought about this? It seems like those people aren't following God. They're more blessed than I am. You ever said that? You ever thought that? Come on now. You, come on, let's be honest here this morning. You know, I've thought that before. I've looked around and said, wait a minute. They're not following your way. And God, they're more blessed than I am. They've got more finances. They've got more. The, you know, they've they got a big retirement account, God. You know, they're getting ready for retirement. They've got all that. Lord, you know, they've got a big bass boat. I just like to borrow somebody sometime, you know. I mean, you, you look around and say, God, why are they so blessed? Can I show you something? Will you hang in here with me? Will you, not get, will you not fall out with your pastor and see that they were in the same place? And here's what God said. Then those who fear the Lord taught with each other, and the Lord listened and heard. A scroll of remembrance was written in his presence concerning those who feared the Lord and honored his name. That's the list I want to be on because it says, They will be mine, says the Lord Almighty. That's the list we need to be on. Who? who the ones who listened and heard. The ones who feared the, the Lord and honored His name. That's the list to be on. Because why? Because it says, In the day when I make up my treasured possession, I will spare them just as in compassion a man spares his son who serves him. And you will again see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between those who serve God and those who does not. Here's the thing. is It's coming. The day is coming, and it, and it may not be today, and it may not be tomorrow. Listen, this is happening all over the world all the time. It's just we're so stinking filthy rich here in the United States of America. We can go through a recession. We can be without jobs and think, oh, it's really bad. We don't know what bad is around here. People are dealing with this all over the place. But, you know, there's coming a day even in your life. And some of you, you've been through it in the past few months. You've been through it, and people look at you and say, how is it that you're making it? And you say, I don't know. You don't have a job. You lost your job or, or something. Something and people are looking at you. You don't know how you make it. That's that's the difference. Is there's coming a distinction. There's coming a day where there will be a distinction. And 
what we're going to realize is, is blessing is not all about bank accounts. That even when there's not enough money or even when there's, there's no jobs out there to be had, that God is still feeding your children. God's still helping you make your payments. It's still coming in and it's still coming in. And that's when the distinction comes between the righteous and the unrighteous. Okay? So it's not the promise that is broke. You hang on. Somebody, come on, somebody, say amen. You hang on because the day is coming and you'll see it. What about health and healing issues? Let me tell you, when I pray for somebody, somebody's sick in body, I got a bunch of places I go in Scripture. Let me just give you a few of them right here. Isaiah, by his stripes we are healed. I, just, I can just pray, oh God, you've already provided the healing. And by those stripes we claim healing. 1 Corinthians 12, the one who gives the gift of healing. Or I pray, God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you have given us the gift of healing. And I pray for the gift of healing over them right now. For I am the Lord who heals you. Exodus chapter 15 verse 26 says, God, you are my healer. You told me not to trust in anyone else, God. I, I don't look to anyone else to heal me, God. You are my healer. And Psalm 103, it says, bless the Lord. Oh, my soul, and forget not his many benefits, who forgives all my sin and heals all my diseases. Bless the Lord. He heals all of my diseases. I'm in so many places to pray about healing. But you know why I think we don't, most of the time, don't get our healing? Well, Scripture does tell us we have not because we ask not. And in James, chapter 5, verse 14 15 says, are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal us. Do you see that's a promise? That's a declaration by God. When that kind of prayer, when someone prays with you and agrees with you and prays that prayer in faith, that kind of prayer prayed in faith will heal the sick and the Lord will make you well. If you need to be well today, that is a promise it is a declaration. His word cannot bounce away from that. His word will have to fulfill it. That kind of prayer is prayed. And even if you commit any sin, you'll be forgiven. This is, this is what, and we don't get it because we don't ask. At the end of every single service, Jamie reminds you there are prayer team members standing right here waiting for you. If you're sick in body, come to a prayer team member and say, pray for me. And, and I, I need to be healed today. If, if you've got a, 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 you know, a, a surgery or procedure or something coming up or a test, come down and say, I need you to pray that I'm healed, that if anything's there, God heals it before the doctor can even find it. You need to pray and ask, and we don't receive because we don't ask. Now, we, we, get, we get caught up in things like the finances and healings, and, and we forget there's a whole lot of stuff. I don't have time to preach all of them to you, but i got a couple more I want to preach to you before we wrap this up. One of them is, I want to talk to you about having, you know, I, th- I, think it's, I think it's scriptural. You want to have a great marriage. You want to have a great marriage? Uh, uh, I mean, and, and, you know, here in the scriptures, and you've heard this, two will be one, two will be one. And you see it all through scriptures, and it's reminded. Let's go back to Genesis chapter 2 and see where this really comes from. The very first time, God says, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. That's not just a promise. That is a declaration. God is in the creative mode right here. You remember what happened in Genesis 1? Let there be light. What happened? There was light. Let there be a firmament. There was a firmament. Let the waters be gathered together. They were gathered together. You know, let the, let the field and, uh, bring forth beasts and, and uh, the oceans bring forth uh, wildlife. Life and the ocean, guess what? 
see life happen. The beasts of the field happen. Let, let the plants and trees, you know, bring forth fruit after their kind and it happened. God was in a creative mode. And that's where he was at. He was, and I didn't say mood. I said in mode. God's in a creative mode. Everything that was created was created right here. Everything we see, everything that's around us. And then he gets to man and he creates man and he creates woman. And he says it's not good for a man to be alone. That's why he creates woman. And he puts them together. And he, he's still in this creative mode. And he's still saying, let there be light. Let there be this. Let there be this. And he says, and when they come together, I am going to make them one flesh. Now that does not mean you're going to feel close. That doesn't mean that you're going to feel closer to that person than anybody else in your life. God is making a declaration there. In his eyes, in his mind, you have become one with that person. And that's why we, we, really, we really encourage people. I mean, I, I mean we, we, we hate divorce and we hate what divorce does to people's lives. But it's even, it's even more than just that. You know why we encourage you to hang on there? It's because God has declared that you are one. You are one. And you say, well, I don't feel like one anymore. Let me tell you something. The Bible's not broke. Amen. And you know, marriage isn't broke. We didn't get any amens there. Hey, you know, I hear people talk about the church. Let's just use this as an example. I hear people talk about the church and people say, I don't even like to go to church. Because, you know, church got so many hypocrites in it. People that, you know, they stand and worship the God, but they got so many problems in their life. They got as many problems as I've got. Let me tell you something. Church ain't broke. But the people in the church are broke or broken. And they need to be broken some more. You know, that's the problem. The problem is not in the church. The problem is in the people in the church. And we're always going to have that problem as long as broken people come to church. Well, guess what? If your marriage is a mess, the problem's not with a marriage. Because the marriage, marriage is not broken. Marriage is not, not separate. It, it's, it's the two people that are in the marriage that have broken it. You remember when you got married? You remember, you, man, you became one. You remember the first or the last few weeks or months before you got married? I mean, you know, you were sickening, you know? I mean, your friends just thought, oh, you're just so sickening all over, hanging all over each other and everything all the time, and my goodness. And, uh, you know, and some of you sitting on the front row here, you're still the same way, you know, still like that right now, you know? Oh, man, you're just so sickening, whatever, you know? You know what I'm talking about? And, man, you, just, you couldn't wait for, the, for that moment where the, where the pastor said, and now you're one. And, man, you're so excited. And you run out those doors and everything is great for a while. And then you run into life. You start living life. And you start having to make decisions. And battles come your way. And struggles come your way. And you know what happens? We're creatures of habit. And we retreat to the places that are comfortable to us. And what happens is we begin to go back to where we were before we were one. And we begin to slowly separate in our marriages. It's, the problem is not in the marriage. Marriage is not broken. The problem is with the two people in the marriage. What you need to do is you need to ask God to fix what you have broken. You need to ask God to do this again for your marriage because your marriage is not broken. It's you and your spouse that are broken and you need to ask God to restore it. And I know you say, well, that wouldn't fix my problem. Oh yeah, it would. What's your problem? You arguing over finances? What if God restored this in your financial decisions so that you were one in your financial decisions? Guess what? It would be fixed, wouldn't it? Oh, well, we argue over our kids. And guess what? If God were to fix this so that you were now one in the decisions you make about your kids, you know what? You would, it wouldn't be broken anymore, would it? See, this is the problem, is that marriage is not broken, but the two people in the marriage are broken. They need to ask God to bring this promise back one more time into their marriage. Oh, I can say over and over and over. Let's go a little deeper into the family. How many you want great marriage? How many of you want great kids? Okay, first service didn't have many people raise their hand. I said, it's a good thing God wasn't passing them out right now, you know. 
You want great kids? You want to have a great family? You want to raise great kids? How many of you want every single child in your house to be in heaven for eternity with God? Amen. Now, even if you're, even if you're a, a single person, say, I'm, yeah, go ahead. Be like Rahab. Say, yeah, those that are coming. I want those too. Let, let, me, let me show you a couple of things. Remember Proverbs? Man, we've worn this one out, haven't we? Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way it should go, and when he's old and not depart from it. We've worn it out. We've said it so many times. We don't even really remember. What's it say? Wait a minute. What does that, what does that mean? And we've worn it out so much that we almost don't believe it anymore. And we say that, and then we say, you know how Scripture says that? Why do my kids leave church? Why do my kids not love God today? Why do my kids not pray? Why do I, why, why, why? Can I tell you something? The problem is not right here. The, the word's not broke. The promises aren't broke. Train up a child. Oh, goodness. See, I'm really fighting this urge. I got to quit. Is it really that late? I got to quit. <laughs> Acts chapter 16, verse 31. This is the one. The Philippian jailer. He was overcome by, by seeing this miracle. And he said, he said, you got to tell me what to do. And Paul says, here, listen to this. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. I'm glad he didn't stop there. You and your household. Now listen, some of you, some of you, you got to have it all laid out for you. And you don't, you've got such elementary faith. you got to have that. And so you're saying, well, it didn't say. It just said for him. He didn't say for me either. But the Word of God tells me God is no respecter of person. You're not going to get to heaven one day and say, God, why did you save the Philippian jailer's household? You didn't save mine. And God say, well, I, I liked him better than you. He's not going to say, well, well, you know, this was, that was a different situation. That was a different time. And that was a different outpouring. Oh, God says, I am the same yesterday and today and forever. We read Malachi chapter 3, verse 6. It says, he does not change. Okay, the promise is there. You and, now, I don't know if this was a prophecy, and, and we got a bunch of scriptures. Throw them up here real quick. I ain't got time to go over them. Look, all through scripture, there are, there are scriptures, promises. Uh, it's about your kids, and it's about your kids, and it's about household salvation. It's about household salvation over and over and over. But I, I, I think maybe there's even a little bit more than that. Is it one of the things, here's something we know. Is we know, and I, I told you this in one way back early in, in, in January, is that we are the average of the five people that we are closest to. And, and you, know, you know what's going to happen to your kids, don't you? As much as, because it's happened to you. You have become the person you said you would never be. Your mom or your dad. Amen? And so, if your kid's hating you right now, don't worry, it's going to happen to them too. It's in these teen years when they start acting a little bit more like you that they start really rebelling and saying, uh-uh, I ain't going to be like that. But they are. That happens. They can't change it. Even if they despise you today, they cannot change that. They are going to become like you. Here's some, let me give you three things we know real quick. Go ahead and put them all three up there so I can just hurry. Three common traits of youth who don't leave the church. You need to know this, don't you? You want your kids to never leave the church? I'm not talking about kids that go out and, and play with the world for a while and then come back. I'm talking about kids that grow up in church, and when they graduate high school, they don't leave. When they graduate college, they, don't, they stay in the church. Here's three common traits. First of all, they are converted. i got to ask you this question. Do you know that your children are converted? I'm not talking about are they good kids. We're talking about getting them to heaven. We're talking about them being com connected to God. They have to be converted. And if you're their father and mother, you don't know that they're converted, you need to ask them today. Ask them the question. Hey, you do, you do know Jesus as your Savior, right? 
If you don't know that, you need to ask them the question. I've 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 baptized a lot of people. I've dedicated a lot of babies. I've performed a lot of weddings. And and I've prayed a lot of people to, to salvation through the sinner's prayer. But there has been never, has there been a greater privilege as pastor, father, or just man, just a man, than the night that I sat with Brent and Kristen, both of my children, and I led them in the sinner's prayer. And mom, dad, ask them. If they're old enough to understand, ask them and make sure, and if not, lead them in the sinner's prayer. Make sure they're converted. Secondly, they have been equipped. And I I don't have time to preach this, but if your church... I'm talking about those who come here, go anywhere else. If your church is, is entertaining your kids instead of equipping your, your kids, you ain't going to get to heaven one day and God says, oh, okay, well, since the church did that to you, well, then I guess I'm going to give you a pass. Uh-uh. It is your responsibility. And if you've got a problem, you, don't, you think that this church is entertaining your kids in, in kids' church or nursery or, or even on Wednesday nights, then you need to come talk to me. If that's, if that's what's happening to your kid, your kid's just getting entertained and they're not being challenged, they're not being equipped, you need to come talk to me. But the ultimate responsibility is not, and listen, i got to say this, because I was a youth pastor and I understood that a lot of times I had parents show up at my office when I was a youth pastor and dump their 14-year-old in my lap and say, look, we can't do a thing with them. Here's what they were saying. They didn't know what they were saying. Here, I need you to fix what I've been messing up for 14 years. We can't do it because you are the one that are going to follow in your steps more than anybody else. The last thing is their parents preach the gospel to them. The word is not peripheral. It's not something sitting on a, on a table that is gathering dust. The word is central in the lives. Here's what I mean. I'm, I don't mean that they grab the word and they got to make sure the kids see them with the word. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when their kids come home with a problem. You know what You know what moms and dads do? Moms and dads say, well, let's pray about it. You don't say, well, let me tell you, a, you know, if that guy wants to fight you, let me show you a couple of moves. No, no, they say. Hey, let me tell you, let's, let's pray for a moment and see what God says about handling this. If you want your kids to not leave God, then you need to get the word in them and understand every time they have a problem, every time they have a situation, every time they have a battle, every time they have a struggle, you need to say, let's see what God says about the problem. Amen. Go ahead. Give them a hand of praise. You got to quit. I don't have time to preach all the others. Here they are. You see all those promises in the Word of God? Believe them again. Stand with me. Come to the front. Hurry, please. Believe them again. Family, to those who have none or have been abandoned, God promises. He promises guidance, direction, wisdom, instruction. He promises His presence, like Jamie was saying. He's close. He wants to be close. Protection, safety, shelter for the embattled. Just like we were singing just a little while ago. He promises strength, renewal, refreshing. He promises peace and, co- and comfort to those who are discouraged, distressed, and depressed. Prayer team members, get ready. If you need, if there's somebody in your house, somebody in your family that needs to become a Christian, they're not a Christian, Easter's their day. I believe Easter's their day. If that's the case, don't wait. Don't even listen to the next thing I'm going to say. Just come on down and grab, some, grab one of these prayer team members' hands and say, I want you to pray with me over my spouse, over my kids. Come on right now. You need somebody, you want to see somebody saved? Come on, step forward now. You sick in body? Don't wait for me to finish this. Come on right now. Come on right now. Say, I, 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 I got, or you got a test this week, a, a, a medical test this week, or a procedure, or surgery? Come down right now and say, I, I want you to wrap me up in prayer right now. Your financial need, your marriage falling apart, not your marriage. Your marriage is broke. You and your spouse come down. Let's fix that. Whatever it is. Let me give you one last thing. 
There will be times in your life to where it seems like nothing is falling from God. There, there's nothing coming. You're, you're praying and nothing's coming back. The heavens are brass, as, as it said often. And you're not hearing it. There will be times when it seems like everything's devoured as quickly as you get it. You get peace right here in church, but then you, you get home. Maybe you don't even get home. Maybe you just get in the car. And yang, 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 yang. all of a sudden, that peace is eaten up. It's devoured. It's gone. Say amen or oh me, right? Happens, doesn't it? Or you got an outbreak in your life. You know, last year in the span of about 14 or 15 months, I think, I think it was, was it eight, six or eight sets of tires I had to buy. That's impossible. I don't have that many cars. We had an outbreak. You have an outbreak. What's the solution when you get an outbreak? Because you know what most people do is they give up on God. And they say the Bible's broke because I don't hear anything. The Bible's broke because everything's being devoured. The Bible's broke because I'm in an out, there's an outbreak in my life. You know what the solution is? 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and I will hear the land. What's he saying at the end? He said, I'll heal, I'll heal from heaven. He said, I'm going to start sending the rain again. I'll forgive their sin. I'm going to heal their land. The stuff that's being devoured, I'm going to stop that from being devoured. I'm going to return it back to them. I'm going to stop the outbreak in their life. And how does it happen if my people, who's my people today? I'm some of that my people. Are you some of that my people? And you know what? Hollywood laughs at you when you believe the promises. But you don't have to get them to believe with you before God shows up to work a miracle in your life. It just, it just takes you believing God and saying, God, i got to have a miracle today. i got to have a... You don't have to get... Listen, some of us, we're worried about the direction of politics are going in our country. But you know what? Those politicians, they never were the solution. The politicians that act like they're Christians just to get elected, they're never the solution. You know who the solution is? I'm the solution. I'm the solution. Close your eyes right now. Say, I'm the solution. I'm the solution to receiving what I need from God out of heaven. Go ahead, Jamie, when you can. I'm the solution.